0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
1: Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call.
0: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Book AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the bunker. You know, folks, we are waiting with bated breath for the decision to come down from the Supreme Court that throws a grenade on Roe v. Wade, that essentially, for the first time in close to 50 years, women and people with uteruses in this country will not have access to abortion. They will not have bodily autonomy. We will have a patchwork of care in this country that really will come down to your economic status and your ability to be able to get on planes and buses and trains in order to access the type of care that you need. But in some places like Texas and Tennessee and Florida, you... That action of leaving your state to receive reproductive care can amount to a jail sentence, can amount to your loved ones or friends or colleagues who may be hard up for cash throwing you under the bus so that they can get a $10,000 or more bounty for being able to dime you out to authorities oh, I don't think that they left the state to go on vacation. I think it was something much more nefarious than that. We have often said on this show and in other places and spaces that what the religious, radicalized, right-wing party wants in this country is Gilead. And, you know, when I say that, I say it tongue-in-cheek. But the reality is, is that if you are a person of color in this country that knows even just the surface of America's history, you know that Gilead has already been forced sterilization, forced abortion for women of color and indigenous women in this country. That has been the norm. And there has been no recourse. Roe v. Wade and that decision allowed women and now also people with uteruses to be able to access that freedom and that power. Now it's going to be taken away. The thing is, is that this isn't going to end there. This is about full and complete control. When I talk about abortion, I'm also talking about voting rights. I'm also talking about school curriculum and the fight against critical race theory, which by the way, still is not taught in K through 12 schools. I'm talking about the anti-trans bills, the numerous, the hundreds that have been put out across the country. All of this is about control. It is about toxic masculinity. It is about every type of phobia that you could think of. It is about the desire to turn the clock back, the desire to have ownership over other people's lives and their bodies. And that if they aren't like you, operate like you, then they don't deserve to exist. It's as simple as that. When we look at these manifestos that we've seen pop up, whether with the Buffalo white nationalist shooter, whether with the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers, whether it is the gunmen in New Zealand, who basically all pull from the same place. Fox News, Donald Trump, Putin, these figures, right, of people who have decided that their way is the only way. I try and say that we have options that there is still hope, but the reality is, is that I am not completely sure of that fact. My next guest, who's coming up shortly, tells of a story that is so heartbreaking and was really challenging to listen to. Dawn Tyree is a person who supports her LGBTQA community. And she was robbed through a child forced marriage. She was robbed of her sexual orientation. She struggled for years with self-harm because of the oppression. And just recently at the age of 49 has come out and decided to reclaim the power that has been taken away from her as identifying as a pansexual at the age of 49. Well, how are these things linked? Unless somebody is doing harm to you or to themselves, and I mean real harm, not the perceived harm that Greg Abbott thinks that parents of trans children are doing by caring for and loving their children by giving them gender-affirming surgery. No, no, I'm not talking about that harm. I'm talking about real harm. Who are we to tell people how they should show up, how they should identify, how they should love, how they should exist. The freedom supposedly around religion, the freedom of bodily autonomy was for us to be able to move without shackles, whether they be literal or figurative for us to be able to move and understand and grow into ourselves without the harsh spotlight or shame that other people project onto us. Freedom of religion was about being able to practice, right? It was not supposed to be about the religious radicalized rights ability to prescribe their interpretation of their Bible onto the rest of us. This is a story about power. And frankly, we have moved to a space where it isn't a conversation about differing ideologies. It is about good versus evil. It is about seeing all people's humanity, regardless of if it mirrors your own. At the core of it, what we are saying when we talk about progressive politics, when we talk about progression, it is the fact that when we were writing, the forefathers were writing this constitution I was considered chattel. Women did not have the right to vote. We didn't have the right to exist, to speak, to be. Queer people were hung, burned at the stake. Isn't it a good thing that we've evolved from that place that we can continue to try and perfect this very imperfect union but here we are in this moment where there is a real power struggle that is at hand. And again, we, the media allows for Republicans to continue to hide behind ideology, but it isn't around, oh, well, I'm a fiscal conservative and I'm this and I'm that. No. If you don't call these people what they are and by their name, white supremacist, Christian fundamentalist, Christian fascists like the group in Dallas that decided to try and enter into a gay bar and cause harm. Why would they travel to this space? Ain't nobody invite them. Why can't you just allow people to be and find community where they are? Why do you see yourself as the one that gets to dictate What makes sense if you don't want your kids learning about queer people, black people, Latinx people, indigenous people, pull them out of school, send them to the fucking Catholic school, send them to Christian school, fucking homeschool. But you don't get to dictate what curriculum looks like for the rest of us because you only want to see the world through a white, cis, hetero, male lens. But we don't ever push back. We just cower. And so I think that this conversation with Dawn Tyree is one that is illuminating because her experience didn't come through Trumpism. It was decades prior to that. It was about the fundamental treatment and mistreatment and abuse of girls and of women in this country. So when we say oftentimes this is not who we are, we don't really have a strong foundational understanding of who we are because all America has ever known is violence, is hatred, is misogyny, is homophobia, transphobia, Islamophobia, patriarchy. And if we don't excavate these truths, then they will keep repeating themselves. So coming up next, my conversation with survivor Dawn Tyree. Hey there, I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll love. The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics hosted by Ashanti Gohler, the president of Emerge. BGG is the one-stop shop for women of color who want to hear and talk about the world of politics. Join Ashanti this season as she talks to incredible women of color who are changing the face of politics and tackling some of the most important issues facing the United States. From reproductive justice to voting rights to climate change and more. Tune in every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, 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 Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci is one of the latest shows on the TYT network and also the fastest growing news show in America. On his show, Dr. Ricci plays no games regarding policy, delivering a heavy dose of fact-based truth and penetrating analysis on all the top news stories focusing on racism, criminal and social justice, politics, police brutality, Karens, and much more. Listeners can also expect interviews with fascinating guests, political leaders, commentators, and even fiery debates with conservatives on a wide range of policy topics in the bullpen. It is an indisputable fact that you will love this show. Listen to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Folks, I am very excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily, Dawn Tyree, who is an author, activist, and survivor of child marriage. Um, Dawn, you know, y- your story was a part of an A&E uh, documentary that was done. And you, in this space, talk about how you were forced to marry your abuser, at the young age of 13, when you were pregnant. And I want you to explain to the woke AF audience what child marriage is and why it's a conversation that we should be having in this country. As we're hearing places like Tennessee and others working to lower The age of marriage, right? They they apparently want to lower the age of everything for you to get an assault rifle, for you to be able to, uh, get married, but God, God forbid you be able to have bodily autonomy. That's something that you need, uh, all different kind layers of consent, um, uh, for. So tell us a bit more about your story.
2: Well, my story is that I was forced to marry at 13 years old. Um, It was a family friend who had actually been my legal guardian, um, who I referred to as my nanny. He had been sexually abusing me for two years, and when I became pregnant, uh, the fix-all was for us to get married. It saved him from a prison sentence and saved my parents from child abuse and neglect charges. Um, So it basically saved all the adults and put me in servitude um, as a sex slave to my abuser.
0: Oh, God, Dawn. Can you tell us where wh- what state was this happening in?
2: It happened in Texas and a lot of people might say, "Oh, of course mm. it did." Uh, but you know, there are nine states today that have no minimum age for marriage, so it could have easily happened and California is one of them. And we actually lived in California before we moved to Texas. So we were really only in Texas for a couple of months before the marriage took place. Do you
0: even what was your mindset during this time of, I I imagine that in order to get married at the age of 13, you had to have parental consent. Right. So what, can you walk us through what that, yeah, what that process is and what that looked like from, from what you recall?
2: Um, so it, typically takes parental consent or you know a judge's uh discretion and in my case it only took my father's signature uh to marry um what that looked like to me at that time um I was coerced. I, you know, I didn't have a say in what was going on at who as a child, a child, you know, defined by the law as anyone under 18 years old. So at 13 years old, I really didn't have a say. I was groomed to marry him for two weeks before the, the marriage took place. I mean, I was getting the input from him. That he was saving me from a bad situation, that it was in my best interest. My stepmother was reinforcing that with that I couldn't stay at home with the baby and that, you know, we needed to be married. It was going to save him. And, you know, I'm not sure where my father was standing in this. I think he was under a lot of influence, you know, by my stepmother. Um, and so he went ahead and, and gave consent to this marriage to my rapist who was, I was 13 and he was 32 years old. It was clearly, um, you know, statutory rape and and marriage in the United States to a minor overrides the federal law of statutory rape. So at that point, the, no charges, not not during the marriage or even after when I was trying to escape, I tried to file police reports um and because of the marriage it totally saves him and exonerates uh the, the perpetrator from any charges
0: so let me ask you this you're 13 years old this man this i, I mean i would refer to him as a rapist but i don't want to put words in your Call mouth it but what this it is. man is yeah it's it's 35 years old you go before whom in order to had this marriage, a judge, right?
2: That's correct. Uh, You know, you have to go before the judge. So the clerk will issue the license um, and you go before the judge. And in some states, the judge, you know, may have some discernment and there may be um, an investigation, which in my opinion, an investigation by the court is just um, a, a band aid, or, you know, it's only for the consciousness of the court. Um, to put a rubber stamp on the marriage, it's saying, "Look, we've done this safety, you know, check, and everything's a fine." And in our experience, in my experience, it doesn't matter. um, You know, when social services steps in and there's an investigation, most children are not going to out their family, out their parents, or out their abuser. Um, And so it really serves no purpose. In fact, it puts the children more at risk because they have to go home with these people that have threatened them, you know, emotionally, physically, and otherwise um, to not speak against the family.
0: How long did this? this, this marriage, this, this, this trap for you, right? How long did this, this last?
2: I was, I was trapped for a little over three years. Um, and it is a trap. So thank you for referring to it as a trap. Um, Mm -hmm. minors that marry have no legal recourse. I mean, I tried to go to a shelter. They turned me away because we were minors, try to rent an apartment. You can't sign a lease, try to hire a lawyer, lawyer won't go into contract with you. I couldn't rent a hotel room. Yeah. I mean, it's a joke. You know, here I am at 16 years old. I have two children in tow. Mm-hmm. We're trying to escape a very a very violent situation. And the shelters turned us away. We literally couldn't go to a women's shelter or a homeless shelter. And it's that way right now today across the nation.
0: So let me get this straight, right? Because this is just... This is the insanity of a country that says that we love and protect children, right? We're watching children get gunned down in their classrooms and lawmakers say they can't do anything about it. And you're telling me that basically you're able, your, your parent, one parent is able to sign over your bodily autonomy, yourself as a child, because in the eyes, quote unquote, of the law, you are a minor until you reach the age of 18, Mm -hmm. right? And so they sign over your bodily autonomy, your authority over self to your abuser. And then in the eyes of the law, you are married, but you are not a woman to be able to go into a shelter with your two children.
2: You got that one. Correct. You know, and not only that, like by losing My bodily autonomy, I was expecting my second child at 14 years old, you know, and, and not one time when I, you know, went to my prenatal appointments or was seeing the physician or my doctor or whomever, did someone stop and ask me if this was a choice that I would, that, that I was okay with, or I don't recall ever being educated about uh, birth control or anything like that. And so, you know, you just, have, you're, you're completely um removed from any self-governing.
0: Did you think that you had done something wrong? Oh, absolutely. Dawn?
2: It felt and like that... and if you <laughs> go ahead. It really felt like I had done something that um, you know, I I brought this all upon myself. And and because I was hearing that from my stepmother and things like that. So the negative voices kind of go, you know, they're on repeat. Um, and so I felt like I deserved the situation that I was in, that I had brought it upon myself. Um, and you know, the only, the only thing that I could do for myself, um, was to figure out how to get out of the situation. And that's a, I mean, that's a whole nother can of worms. It's like when the minor decides or wants out of the abuse of the situation, I'm getting a little bit feedback, sorry, um, when the minor wants out of the abusive situation, often the family will disown them. So now you have not only um, the community turning this this child away with their children or not, um, you you don't have any family support. um, So you really are alone. And it's it's quite a shame that even the community um, looks down upon, you know, child brides. It's almost like, Um, it's, it's shameful and it is put on, on us that it was our fault when in fact, we didn't have any choice when it happened.
0: What, how did you go Dawn from being a 16 year old with two children trying to flee an abuser, no family to run to. That was that was going to open their doors and their arms to you to be to where you are now to becoming an activist and an author. What was that arc?
2: Whew. Um Part of you know the emotional change and kind of the awareness um, wake-up call, if you will, for me was after my daughter was born. Um, and I began to worry about her safety um, as an infant. I mean, this is just um, repulsive. Uh, but at at 15 and 16 years old, I did not want him changing her diaper. And that's when I began to plot my way out, like try to figure out how am I going to get out of this situation? Um, and we had to... You know, my family unit had to be separated uh, because it wasn't possible. As I had mentioned, we were turned away from shelters and, you know, just had had no means or resources um, to get out of that situation. And so my children actually stayed with his parents while I stayed with um, an anonymous family member to get my feet on the ground. Um, and then on one of the visits, I would go visit my children on the weekends. And on one of those visits, um, I packed them up and I took them and it it was very messy. Um, and again, because my husband at that time, so I'm 16 years old, he is my husband and my legal guardian, even though I was an emancipated minor. So he had the rights to report me as a runaway. And when law enforcement caught up to me, they would threaten to return me to my rapist. So I mean this it's a violent uh perpetual circle of being trapped and authority and um control and manipulation um you know and so I was able to kind of stay undercover um you know and and fly under the radar um for our safety until I got my feet on the ground and that is it was very difficult I would move into I'd find a roommate um you know apply for the 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 room put the down payment on the room move in and then 2 weeks later kind of you know fake it and say oh my goodness you know I'm really sorry I have two children and I I need to suddenly they have to come and live with me suddenly um and and that was something that I would repeat over and over and over uh so that we would have a place to live because it was hard to find a I couldn't rent a place but I could find a roommate you know situation um, that would be willing to let me move in, and then I would move my children in. Um, and and it's, you know, the poverty um, and and the things that we went through um, for many years, at least a decade, where we would, you know, live without electricity at times, living without basic essential needs, you know, toilet paper, toothpaste, things like that. And, you know, my children, they don't know any different when you're raising your children. It's like... You, 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 that's just life. It's life that we don't have toilet paper, and we're you know using other means to keep ourselves um, to to you know have hygiene and things like that. Um, the 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 forfeited education um, increases uh, the poverty with child brides. Um, the the chances of IPV increases like fourfold for child brides. It, it's really sad how we set this is a setup for failure. Um, you had mentioned that. Divorce rate in the nation is like 50%. For child marriages, it's over 80%.
0: So how many, Dawn, now that you have, I mean, gone through, my God, so much, um, how did your activism start and where? And if you have any statistics or numbers, how many girls – in this country that says that they care about girls, that says that they care about children, are in similar situations.
2: We know that 300,000 children were married between 2000 and 2018 in the United States. Um, Some 60,000 of those marriages could have been punishable by statutory rape laws and given a prison sentence.
0: I mean, that is just extraordinary. And we have places right now in this country that are looking to lower the age, as I said at the top, like in Tennessee, to lower the age of marriage. And so when you talk and you share your story, what is it that you're trying to get people, including our lawmakers, to understand?
2: I think we use our voices for the voiceless. I mean, you know, I felt like my situation was a very isolated situation. And, you know, in 2018, when I myself started to investigate child marriage in the United States, was totally blown away that it was legal in, in all 50 states that year, 2018. And so using our voices, we're trying to influence change and protect children from child marriage. We're learning that it's connected to human trafficking, sex trafficking, child labor. I mean, it, there's an overlap there that's frightening. Um, hearing that other states want to lower the age for marriage um, is, is terrifying. We have nine states in the U.S. right now that have no minimum age for marriage.
0: I just don't... I, I like... You say this to me and I'm like, how, how is that something that, that could even stand? Is it, do you believe it's because people don't know like the, the, and when I say people, I mean like the masses don't know this fact, or is it that we know and we just don't care? Like what, what's your opinion on that?
2: I think my opinion, okay, first of all, people are shocked to learn, you know, about child marriage in the U.S. So so it, it, it's true that a lot of people just don't know and are unaware. And even lawmakers, legislators are surprised when they find out that, you know, it's happening in their state. And so we bring awareness to it. We try to educate the legislators and then influence change. Um, because of the archaic laws that are in place, those are the little loopholes that allow it. And then we come up against opposition where they want to keep those in place, because we believe that, you know, Romeo and Juliet deserve to be married. And we believe that the 16 or 17 year old that got pregnant deserves, you know, to not have a bastard child. Um, And so that's how the stories of survivors will get, you know, an override and And those laws will stay in place. I mean, we had, this is really interesting, just recently in the state of Alaska, we had a senator, you know, actually demand to go on record to state that she herself at 15 years old was as mature as a 25 year old and believes that a 15 year old can get married. A mature one, a mature 15 year old can get married. I mean, and, you know, my grandkid is 15 years old and I look at them and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You should not be married. Um, and it's it's astonishing the opposition that we get.
0: Do you think that is the opposition tied to some perverse I- ideology with regard to Christian fundamentalism? Like, is it is it religion? That is what you find to be where the obstacles are, because, I mean, I, don't talk to me about the state of Alaska and the people, <laughs> politicians that they've produced. But, um, you know, but I, I, I'm just thinking, like, is, is, is this tied in ways to religiosity?
2: In in some cases, yes, it is, and in others, it's not. I mean, we get human rights activists that are saying this is, you know, um, it, it, it. Human rights activists that will say this this is an infringement on reproductive rights, um, or the right to be married, or the right to practice a culture, um, the right to practice their religion, and so as you can see, we can get it from both sides where of the fundamentalists, uh, you know, this is by practice and by nature. And then also by human rights, you have the freedom of religion and culture practices.
0: So Dawn, um, you also are you know, on top of all of the the work and the writing and the things that you have done, you're an advisory board member for the Resiliency Foundation. So I just want to give you an opportunity as we close out to tell folks about the Resiliency Foundation and how they can get involved.
2: Thank you. Well, um, Genevieve Meyer is the founder of the Resiliency Foundation and offers support and resources to survivors survivors of child marriage. And right now, um, I'm working mainly with Global Hope 365, who's fighting um, child marriage globally, um, human trafficking globally, and here in the States with a primary focus on ending child marriage in California. I want to take it all the way up and down the West Coast uh, because we know that's a corridor for trafficking and child marriage. Uh, but you can go to the California Coalition to End Child Marriage dot org um, and we can help you draft a resolution in your state, um, in your county, city, state, um, just to take a stand against child marriage.
0: Dawn, I, you know, your story is extraordinary. Your, your own resilience is extraordinary. And I just thank you so much for, for joining woke AF, um, and providing insight into an issue we've never delved into on this show. And I thank you so much for, for opening my eyes to, to more of the hypocrisy and the trauma that we inflict on kids, uh, in the United States. So we appreciate you. And Thank you time. so
2: much. Thank you for having me, Danielle. Thank you.
0: That is it for me today here folks on woke AF as always power to the people and to all the people power get woke and stay woke as fuck. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
1: Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause.